Well, Todd, based on those two strengths, this is going to be a very strange sermon as I stand up here and ask questions and listen. (laughs) That will be a first for us. (laughs) But you're right, I am going to talk about our relationship to God. Um, Somewhere along the way, I heard that uh, every pastor, every preacher really has one sermon in them. And as you listen to all the different things they say, it always kind of tracks back to one thing. And I think I'd have to say this is probably my one sermon, the one message that in most of the times when I speak, it usually ends up coming out. So let me pray for us, and then we'll go into the Scripture some. Father, I do want to thank you that uh, you have opened the doors to yourself, and you invite us in. And I just ask that as we look at your word today, that uh, we would listen to you, and that it really would be a time of us interacting with you and allowing you to speak to our hearts. And Father, I just ask that uh, if there's things that I say that are not of you, that they would just fall here on the steps and that only your message would proceed on out. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk about our relationship with God. And uh, like Todd said, I'm kind of an empty nester now. But with older kids, as you have interactions with them, a lot of times it turns towards relationships. And so we ask these questions back and forth of what are they wanting or what are you wanting and you know, that applies to God, too. We have to kind of think about, what is God wanting of us? What do we want of him? And so I want to talk about that for a little bit. Um, what does God really desire from us? You know, one thing that for a lot of my life I thought he desired was my obedience. And what I've come to figure out and put together is God does not just want my obedience. You know, it's really easy for me, and I think for us as believers, to focus on pleasing God through our actions. And we begin to think we're righteous by what we do. And so we go along doing all these good things, and after a while something goes wrong, and, oh, well, I, I need to do more good things, and it just gets wrapped up, and I keep doing more and more and more until I just get so tired and worn out by doing all these good things for God. And that's not really what he's wanting. Um, turn with me to Philippians 3.9. We're going to be flipping to a bunch of different verses. I'm not working out of one passage this morning. But this verse is one that, as I was reading it, just within the last year, it really helped me put together a lot of my Christian life and my testimony. And it kind of made sense of it. I grew up in a Christian home, and for a long time I thought I was very righteous and very good. 3.9 says, And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Just that phrase really stuck out to me, a righteousness of my own derived from the law. And as I started thinking about that, I realized through a lot of my Christian life, I kind of turned it into a little buffet. I would go down the buffet line and kind of pull out some things. It's kind of like, okay, uh, I'll take some read the Bible, I'll take some memorized verses, you know, I'm, I'm with the navigators. Oh, and yeah, serving others, I'll take some of that. Oh, not cuss, got that one, no R-rated movies. Okay, I've got my little tray here, I've got my righteousness. And I thought I had it. And so what happened is this became my righteousness. It, it took bits and pieces of the law, it left out a lot too. And all of a sudden it was my righteousness just a derivation, and I really wasn't righteous. I didn't think about things like greed or lust or laziness or selfishness. And so what happened is in my walk with God, all of a sudden I realized I'd go to time of prayer and 
all right, I need to confess sin. Let me think. I, I've served. I read, read my Bible. I memorized. I didn't cuss. I didn't see. Are, what do I? Let's see. What do I confess? And that's where we go to if we start thinking of God wants just our righteousness. I mean, excuse me, just our obedience. If it's all just about obedience, we'll just get into this cycle of just doing the right things. There's a lot more to it than that. There's another thing that it's not. God doesn't just want our happiness either. He's not about our happiness. He's not in heaven sitting up there going, all right, go this way. Oh, if they'd only made that choice, they would have been so happy. I could have done so much for them. Well, let me twist it and see if I can get them happy this way. He's not just like a giant ATM. I know sometimes in our house we have this little conversation that, you know, one of my kids would see something they would want, and they'd ask me for it, and I'd say no, and they'd say why. And eventually it'd get down to this point, and I'd say, so what do we call people that get everything they want? And they'd go, we call them spoiled. But we do that same thing with God. We sit there and ask him for all these things that we think will make us happy, and he doesn't give them to us. And we start going, what's this about? You're about my happiness, right? I've seen a lot of people that shipwreck their spiritual life because they think God is just pursuing their happiness. What God really wants is our heart. He wants to connect with us on a heart level. Not just our actions, not just being happy, but in our heart. So turn to, uh, flip over to Isaiah 29. I'm going to go through four different passages just to let us see a, a really good picture of how God does want our heart. Isaiah 29:13 And the Lord said, "Because this people draw near me with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts from me, and their reverence for me consists of traditions learned by rote." So those people, they were doing the right things, they were saying the right things, And God's disappointed with them because they hadn't given him their heart. If he has our hearts, he'll have our obedience. If he has our hearts, we will have joy. But we have to give God our hearts. Okay, flip back a little farther to uh, 2 Chronicles 15. Kind of an unusual little passage, but it really fits in here well. 2 Chronicles 15, I'll start at verse 8. And what is happening here is uh, a prophet had just come to Asa and told him that if, if you seek God and lead my people into that, that you'll find him. Second Chronicles 15.8 Now when Asa heard these words and the prophecy which Azariah, the son of Obed, the prophet spoke, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. And then he restored the altar of the Lord, which was in front of the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, even those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who resided with them, for many had defected to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord was with him. So they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. And they sacrificed to the Lord that day 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. 
They'd entered into covenant to seek the Lord, their God, their fathers, with all their heart and soul. And whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether small or great or man or woman. When you thought your accountability groups were hard on you. <laughs> Moreover, they made an oath to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and horns. And all of Judah rejoiced concerning the oath, for they had sworn with their whole heart and had earnest, sought him earnestly, and he let them find them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Did you see how often it talked about seeking God with your whole heart, seeking him earnestly? Okay, um, just a quick reference. I'll, you don't even need to turn there. It's so short. Uh, Song of Solomon 7.10 simply says, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. You know, that's what God is saying to us. His desire is for relationship with us, that heart connection. And then lastly, uh, Jeremiah 13. Now, you may kind of wonder how I've gotten this random collection of verses. These are just popping up as I go doing my little reading program, and I was thinking about what I was sharing. So Jeremiah 13, 8. The story is Jeremiah was told by God to, to buy a waist belt, so a, a fancy piece of cloth that they would use to tie the garments on. But instead of wearing it as a waist belt, God told him, go hide it in a rock by the river. And he left it there for a year. And then God told him, now go get it and come back. And you can imagine anything hidden in a rock by a river for a year, it was completely ruined. And it was useless to him. And so in that context, Jeremiah 13:8. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, just so I will destroy the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. Just like this waste belt had been destroyed, he's going to destroy them. This wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who walk in the stubbornness of their hearts, and have gone after other gods to serve them and bow down to them, let them be just like this waistband, which is totally worthless. Pay attention to this next phrase. For as the waistband clings to the waist of man, so I have made the whole household of Israel and the whole household of Judah to cling to me declares the Lord, that they might be a, for me a people for renown for praise, for glory. Oh, and this last phrase hurts. But they did not listen. You know, God has called us to something really significant. He's called us to cling to him. But this people did not listen. What a great opportunity that was just pushed aside. And so... We can see that God's desire for us is not just for us to obey, not just to sit out and do all the actions. It's not just to be happy, but he wants our heart. You know, John fourteen twenty one says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will, shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and disclose myself to him. You know, love like this results in our obedience. You know, so love, obedience is the fruit of love. So we need to focus on loving God. As I was thinking about this, for some reason, the movie Fireproof came to mind. It's a movie about a fireman who was having a really big struggle in his marriage. And he talked to his father, and his father gave him this uh, test. And it was 40 days of things to do to improve his marriage. And when I saw the movie, I liked it, but there was something that was unsettling to me. This didn't click well. And as I was thinking about it in this context, it all started making sense. Because when I watched the movie, I came away thinking, if you do these 40 things, then you will have love. 
And that's not true. Love doesn't create itself from action. But what's true in the movie and is true with us, the man had love and that drove him to do these 40 things. Just like when we have love for God, it moves us towards our obedience. And so all of this should result in intimacy. That's where God wants us to go. He wants to move us into intimacy with him. And there's a little saying that I picked up somewhere along the way that's a great picture of intimacy. It's into me see. And that's what God wants with us and what God wants for himself. He wants us to look into who he really is. And he wants us to open up the doors of who we really are to him. Into me see. So I want to look at it from both sides. First, I want to look at it from God's side and what he's done for us. Uh, turn over to John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. God's opening up his heart to us. The things that Jesus has heard from the father, he is sharing with us. That's transparency. That's openness. That's intimacy. It's out there to be read. Most of us right now are holding it in our hands, the thoughts of God that he has shared with us. You know, I don't know how many people know this. When Sherry and I were dating, it was a long-distance relationship. Now, this was back before the days of email, before the days of free cell phones and infinite minutes. This is back when we actually, I'm, we literally shopped for phone minutes. Oh, I got a 10 cents a minute deal. And I was excited about it because we could talk a little bit more. But we wrote a lot of letters back and forth. And every time I got a letter, it was just a wonderful day. And I would spend that day reading the letter and rereading it. Right? These letters are still in our garage. We have, we've kept them. They're in a box out there. I thought about bringing them up, but they're too treasured. I don't want to... Sh- no. <laughs> but I think that's some of a picture of what we need to have in our relationship with God. To think of it as a love letter from him to us. To pour over it thinking, what is he saying to me? Not... What, you know, how do I tense this verb or what is this passage? You know, there's a right place for those things and for study. Because I know when I got these letters, I'd read them and read them and go, I wonder what you meant by this and think about it. But there's a point where we have to be careful and not let the scriptures become a textbook, but to keep them as a love letter. So we want to keep our intimacy with God in that way of intimacy, intimacy through listening, hearing what he has to say. You know, I think it's really easy for us to almost put too much emphasis on the scriptures themselves and understanding them. I know the Pharisees, um, just flip back a few pages, John 5, 39. The Pharisees took it too far. They thought, if I just under, you know, know this book and do this book, leaving the heart out of it, they would be fine. John 5, 39 says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is ease that bear witness to me. God gave us the Bible to lead us to him, not to be an end in itself. So when we go to the scriptures, we need to make sure that the scriptures lead us on to Christ. Um, 
First Peter also talks about it. You know, First Peter two. Uh, Therefore, putting aside all malice and get, get, guile, and hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. You know, we're supposed to have this great desire. It's something that refreshes us and builds us and grows us. That's how God communicates to us. So we need to be listening. Just as a, a one of our great, the person that loves us most has spoken something and listening with that intentionality. Now there's another side to it. There's also an intimacy through talking. We need to be sharing our heart with God. Now I know there's probably been thousands of sermons on prayer and how we need to talk to God. But I think there's a point where we, we miss the boat here. I don't know that when we pray, we're always really sharing our true heart. I know this has happened to me, that the, something will happen and it either really hurts me or I'm really disappointed and maybe I'm really mad and I'm just cursing about what just happened. And then I go to pray about it. Oh, God, please be in this situation and help these people. And I get all righteous and smug. When what God really wants is us to go to him and go, God, this really stinks. This is not good. Why are you doing this? See, because what we forget about is that God, that those few minutes before when I was cursing and all angry, he saw that. He knows my heart. He already knows what's in there. And I think he gets really frustrated with me when I turn around to this other side and get all righteous and religious on him. Because he knows I'm playing a game. And as much as it frustrated him with the Pharisees when they played the game, it's just as much with me. He wants me to be real. Um, I'm going to try something here. A great, I mean, one of the Psalms that I've read recently where I think David did this uh, is Psalm 88. So turn there, and I'm going to, it's kind of long. Read and follow with me. I feel like I should say this. I'm going to add some emphasis. I will just read it, but I think we'll see that he's not just being nice little Christian with pretty prayers, David, here. Psalm 88. O Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried out day and in the night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thy ear to my cry. For my soul has had enough troubles. My life has drawn near to Shoal. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit, like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave. Whom does thou remember more? Are they cut off from the land? Thou hast put me in the lowest pit, in dark places, in the depths. Thy wrath has rested on me, and thou hast afflicted me with thy waves. Thou hast removed my acquaintance from me. Thou hast made me an object of loathing to them. I'm shut up. I can't go out. My eye wasted away because of affliction. I've called on thee every day, O Lord. I've spread out my hands to thee. Will thou perform wonders for the dead? Will the departed spirits rise and praise thee? Will the loving kindness be declared in the grave and thy faithfulness and abandon? He's thinking he's going to be dying here. Will thy wonders be made known in the darkness and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, I have cried out to thee for help. In the morning my prayers come to thee. O Lord, why does I reject my soul? Why does I hide thy face from me? 
I was afflicted and about to die from my youth on. I suffer thy terrors. I am overcome. Thy burning angers passed over me. Thy terrors have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me altogether. Thou hast removed my lover and my friend from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. I think he's praying his heart, his real heart. He's not pretending there. I think we have to remember that God won't reject us from that kind of openness. He has already seen it. He knows what's going on. But what we don't remember, and the thing that we have to remember, is that that kind of openness, when we share our heart with God like that, that is how intimacy is built. Into me see, opening up my heart and truly expressing it and exposing it to God. You know, I do want to warn us. There is a line that we have to be careful not to cross. We don't want to dishonor God as we do this. We can say, this hurt, but we shouldn't say, you hate me. We can say, this doesn't seem fair, but we can't go to saying, you're not fair. We can say, why did this happen, but not go to the point of saying, you're not in control. So generally speaking, we can express what we're feeling, but we have to keep it all in the context of who God really is and not to shame, shame him and dishonor him in the process. We need to call on him in trouble. Um, Psalm 50:15 says, And call on me in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you and you will honor me. And so what that tells me is there are going to be days where there's trouble. There are going to be hard things that come towards me. And I think we have to look at it differently. Some, you know, probably a terrible parallel is a teenage boy who takes his girlfriend to a scary movie. You know, the monsters come out and she's kind of like, oh, and he's kind of like, yeah, this is what I wanted. But I think there's times, in a sense, where God does that with us. He takes us to the scary places so that we will draw to him. Um, again, an an odd little passage, Amos 4. Now, I'm not going to give you too much time to find it because it's always hard to find Amos, at least it is for me. Uh, but if you find it quickly, it's Amos 4, 6-11. And he's talking to the, the people, and just listen. But I gave you the cleanliness of teeth in all your cities and the lack of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. And furthermore, I withheld the rain from you while there were still three months until the harvest. Then I would only send rain in one city, and on another city I would not send rain. Is this sounding like Texas? One part would be rained on, while the other part would, would dry up. So two cities would stagger to another to drink water, but would not be satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I smote you with scorching wind and mildew, and the caterpillar was desiring your many gardens and vineyards and fig trees and olive trees. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent a plague among you after the manner of Egypt. I slew your young men by the sword along with captured houses. I made the stench of your camp rise up in your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were a firebrand snatched from a blaze. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. And so I think as we're going through life and we start hitting these hard things, whatever they may be, we need to remember this passage. 
and wonder, is God saying about us, and you have not returned to me? You know, when we hit the hard things, are we turning to God? Uh, a lot of, I mean, some of you have seen me out running. When I run, I always listen to a podcast. And just recently, a guy was speaking on kind of the same topic. And one of the things he said is, what Satan does is Satan will bring in hard things to our life or maybe introduce them with the hopes that it will separate us from God. But God in his wisdom and glory can take those same very things and desires for those to draw us back closer to him. So all these hard things we're going through, if we take them to God with our true heart and share them openly, we'll develop intimacy. We'll get closer to God rather than far away. So the things I want you to remember, God desires to connect with our heart. We need to take the time to listen to him, to listen to his heart, and we need to take the time to share our heart. Now, a couple warnings that are going to happen. One, this takes time. Anyone that's married knows you can't spend two or three minutes every morning reading the Bible and saying a couple of prayers. I mean, imagine a marriage where you get up in the morning, honey, what do you have to say to me today? Mm, okay, I'm sorry, that's it. Oh, and by the way, um, I praise you for your uh, how well you keep the house clean and uh, you didn't cuss today. See you tomorrow morning. Oh, what a marriage would that be. But that's what we do with God. Come, we give him just a couple minutes to speak to us. Then we say a couple quick rote things that we have said for the past 40 days or more and think that we're having a relationship with God. If you really want a relationship with God, you're going to have to put time into it. And it's time when you're alone and it's quiet. There's so many distractions in the world we have to get away from to truly hear. The other warning is it will change you. As you spend this time with God, your heart will be changed. Your priorities will change. Your life will change. Your responses will change. God uses this to change us, to make us new people. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to keep us late just a minute. There's a song that I, I heard in my college days. So, yes, it's kind of an older song. But it talks about the change that happens as we spend time with God. Um, one of the phrases in the song is in, talks about inside my room. And what he's doing is a, a picture of him having a little place where he goes and prays. And so if we could play that now. Inside my room, I hear the people crying. They do not know. They do not understand Beyond these walls Millions are slowly dying They've never tasted fruit From Canaan's land I'm just a child With plans and dreams and visions How can I go
Thank you that uh, you are a God who loves us deeply and just with all your heart wants to have an intimate relationship with us. Father, help us to draw to you. And as we draw to you to be able to listen and hear what you have to say to us. And if, Father, you are saying to reach out to those in our homes, at our families, at our schools or work or maybe even in a different part of the world even, Give us a heart that will respond and listen and follow. Help us to go where you, where you send us and to not ask to stay. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> 